0: There's so much confusion in our society today about this topic. Uh, I've been amazed over the last sort of two or three weeks just to hear how in the media, um, some of the kind of media elites just seem to get it completely wrong. Um, Ricky Gervais, who is uh, the British comedian, writer, star of The Office and other TV shows and movies, he wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal last week. Uh, entitled, An Atheist Easter Message from Ricky Gervais. And it was subtitled, Why I'm a Good Christian, if you could just put it up. Um, and he says this, if, if the writing's too small for you to read, let me read it to you. Uh, Why I'm a Good Christian is the subtitle, and he wrote this. The title of this one is a little misleading, or at least cryptic. I'm, of course, not a good Christian in the sense that I believe that Jesus was half man, half God. Side note, Christians don't believe that. Uh, Christians believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Anyway, Ricky, let's go back to Ricky here. But I do believe I am a good Christian compared to a lot of Christians. It's not that I don't believe that the teachings of Jesus wouldn't make this a better world if they were followed. It's just that they are rarely followed. I've always felt this way, even when I believed in God, and in a weird way, I feel I'm still a pretty good Christian who doesn't believe in God. So, in essence, Ricky Gervais thinks that Christianity is all about being good. And if Christianity is all about being good, he looks around and sees some of the Christians, and he thinks, actually, I'm much better than them, and I'm an atheist, so I'm a pretty good Christian. That's his logic, isn't it? And and, and I want to say to you, is that that right? Is Christianity all about just being good? I, I, I want to say to you, that is a secular myth. In our culture today, and it 's quite deeply rooted a few weeks ago, there I was shaving in the mornings. I do listening to the Today program on Radio four and John Humphreys was interviewing the atheist a C Grayling about his new book, The Good Book, which is kind of like a secular Bible, a Bible about uh, ethics, but without God and religion. Just go to the next slide there, and uh, John Humphreys asked another guest who was the canon, a minister at st paul 's Cathedral. On the program, he turned to uh, Giles Fraser and he said, "Um, Might this uh, book by A.C. Grayling not be a better guide than the Bible about how to live the good life? Because isn't that what the Bible's meant to be? Again, do you see that secular myth that's there? The Bible's just about being good. Fraser replied, "Um, The Bible's not about being good, but about being saved. Pretty good for the minister from St. Paul's Paul's Cathedral. I was surprised at that. John Humphreys shot back, but you won't be saved unless you're good, will you? Again, there's the secular myth. Fraser replied, that's a deep theological heresy. You're saved by God, not by being good. Now Humphreys was incredulous at this point, and he said, so you can be a right thug and God will save you. Is that what you're saying? He couldn't believe it. It seems to me in our culture this is a deeply rooted myth that Christianity uh, is about just being doing good, that Christians are just people who think that they're kind of better than other people. Now, let's find out the truth, shall we? Uh, Let's open our Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 23. And you'll find this on page 1,060. 1,060 if you haven't got a Bible. There's a red Bible in front of you. Page 1060, will take you to Luke chapter 23. See, if you want to find out about real Christianity, you might as well hear it directly from the lips of Jesus. Don't you think? If you really want to know what's going on. So I'm going to read from verse 32. So that's on the, uh, the right-hand column on page 1060. The little sentence beginning with a 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Keep your Bible open there. Now this is at the heart of Christianity. This, this is the central point of the Bible, the crucifixion, the death of Jesus Christ. And I want us to briefly focus on these two men either side of Jesus. Listen again to these final reassuring words of Jesus to a dying man. Uh, Verse 43. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now who is this man that Jesus speaks to? Is he a good man? No. No, in fact, quite the opposite. He lived a bad life and he's now facing his death. And soon his maker. He was a criminal. Uh, His sentence was bad enough that the Roman authorities felt that crucifixion uh, was the only option. And yet this is the person that Jesus speaks to and says, today you will be with me in paradise. He promises him eternity. is a bad man, a criminal, yet he gets promised eternal life. Now let's just get some background to this, uh, this scene. This is the day that Jesus died. He had been Nailed to a wooden cross, which was lifted upright, and uh, he was hanging from it to die in a sort of a slow, excruciating death. The Romans designed this as a, just a, a terrible punishment to put people off ever trying to rebel against Rome. And the same thing had happened to the criminals either side of Jesus. And around them, there's a large crowd. It's hardly a sympathetic crowd. Uh, most of them are mocking and jeering, uh, they are heaping abuse. On Jesus. And you've got these three men all know that they're facing death. And they have time to prepare. And Luke records that these two men responded so very differently to Jesus. And they show the difference between a wise and a foolish response. Now, how would you behave knowing that you only had hours to live? It's worth thinking about, isn't it? Because the truth is is that each of us will come to that point in our lives. Well, one man treats Jesus like a servant. Look at verse 39 again. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Can you hear what he's saying? Um... Save me. He treats Jesus, who is God in human flesh, like like he's a servant. Now, when you think about that, is that that a sensible way to treat God? The God who made the world, the God who made um, everything, deserves more respect than that. And here's this man who treats Jesus, who is God, just like his uh, skivvy, his servant, And yet I want to suggest that actually that's how all of us really treat God. The God who uh, made us, who sustains us, should be really right at the center of our lives. But as we heard from testimony after testimony this morning, quite often people have known that and yet shoved Him aside. We shove God away from the center of our lives. Um, we, We ignore God when life is good. We blame God when we hear of uh, tragedies elsewhere. And then when something bad happens to us, maybe a a bad diagnosis, or maybe there's something horrific coming up, like a a degree examination or any sort of exam, we, we call out to God to do some miracle for us, to change everything for us. We treat God like a servant. Now I don't know whether you've ever had a friend who only calls you when they want a favor you ever had someone like that? As soon as they're on the phone, you're thinking, what do they want now? Because that's the only reason they call. you ever had someone like that? How does it make you feel? Uh, my uncle played rugby for Wales um, and uh, was a great source of international rugby tickets. And when I was a student, when I was a student, I basically used to call him up and say, Hey, Uncle Peter, any chance of any tickets for the, you know, the Welsh game? And after a few years of this, I finally had a letter from him uh, with some more tickets. He was a very kind man. Uh, And and, and in the letter, it said, Paul, it would be lovely to hear from you when there wasn't an international rugby game on. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Guilty as charged. But isn't that how we treat God? No one likes to be used by others. And here's this, this man who just joins him with the abuse of the crowd against Jesus. And he's dying himself. And yet, he uses his last few moments of breath to heap mockery at Jesus. And then just in case there's something in this, he says, Oh, save yourself and save us, Jesus. What a tragedy. To be so close to Jesus at the most crucial time in your life. And yet to be so indifferent and so hard. Even though one day he will meet Jesus as as the judge appointed by God to determine his his eternal destiny, he just keeps increasing his guilt by mocking Jesus and treating him as his servant. He's just not ready. I wonder, is is there anyone like that here today? You know, you're basically a mocker. I mean, you're here because you, you, know, you, you love your family, your friends, you know, they pulled you along. You really are unbelievably amazed you're spending a beautiful morning like this here rather than the golf course. And, and actually, you spend most of your time really kind of mocking Christians, mocking Jesus. And I want to say to you, I'm so glad you're here today. This would be a great day to think freshly about Jesus. To rethink Uh, Has it not awoken an interest in you that each of these lives so different has been changed by Jesus? See, we're proclaiming a living Jesus today who changes lives, who changes everything. Well, let's look at the other man. See, if one man treats Jesus like a servant, the other man treats Jesus like a king. Look at verse forty. But the other criminal rebuked the mocking criminal. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now this man knows he's guilty as charged, doesn't he? He's not, he's not saying he's basically a good bloke. He knows he's getting what he deserves. To use John Humphrey's language, uh, here's someone who's a right thug. And yet, he sees Jesus as the total opposite to him. This man has done nothing wrong. I don't know what, how much he'd seen. Had he been in the crowds when Jesus taught? Had he seen some of the miracles? I don't know. He'd certainly seen the way Jesus acted under this mockery and this abuse and this crucifixion. And as he looks upon him, he says, There is something totally different about this man. Verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, instead of treating Jesus as his servant, he sees Jesus as his king. He sees himself as the servant of Jesus. He sees that this this man is is actually God's king, who's going to usher in God's kingdom. And I want to say, what an incredible thing for him to see at that moment. Jesus never looked less like a king than at this exact moment. Earlier that morning, the politicians, the religious leaders had accused Jesus of treason for he claimed to be God's king. The Christ and the police had kind of shoved a crown of thorns on his head. They punched him and yelled at him and joked, Hey, king. And everyone around them refused to recognize him as, as the Christ. They laughed. They joked. They mocked. They whipped his back. He was bloodied and beaten and naked on a cross didn't look like a king there were moments in his life where he did look like a king i mean when he stood up in the middle of a of a boat uh, when a storm was raging around them when disciples thought they were going to die and he commands the winds and the waves and treats them like some uh dog that's yapping too much and says be quiet and everything went calm well he looked like god's king then or when he fed a few uh fed thousands of people with a few bread loaves and and fish well he looked like god's king then Or when he raised a a little girl who was dead to life again. Well, he looked like God's king then, but but now? Not, Not now. All rejected his claim, except for this one man. This criminal dying next to Jesus says to him, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's an amazing statement. He can see that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. And this criminal must have thought, well, if this is God's kingdom, then he can get me into God's kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I love the answer of Jesus. Look at verse 43. I tell you the truth. Do you think you can believe Jesus? Does Jesus have to tell you that I tell you the truth? Not fibbing? No, Jesus doesn't say that. So when he says, I tell you the truth, this is underlined absolutely incredible bank your life on it truth i tell you the truth today you will be with me in paradise despite everything this man had done jesus promises him paradise unconditional acceptance love forgiveness that's what jesus gives this criminal Uh, jesus gives him the promise of eternal life his death which was not far away would actually be for him just like a doorway to heaven now does this criminal receive this because he was good just to underline this has he done anything that's good at this point no mr Humphreys. no ricky gervais he's done nothing good we've heard it from his own lips haven't we guilty as charged well was it because, you know, he turned a leaf and he was about to do lots of good things? No, he's nailed to a cross. I mean, I don't want to make fun of it. But there's not much you can do, is there? He can't start going to church. He start, can't getting religious. He can't, can't even get baptised. There is nothing. He can't do any good to any other people. He, he has, he's got hours to live. There is nothing that this man can do to earn this acceptance, to, to earn this forgiveness. This man's salvation has nothing to do with what he can do. The reason that he can receive God's forgiveness, God's pardon, God's acceptance is all about what Jesus was about to do for him. See, what was a good man? Jesus. Doing, dying like a bad man. Well, what is God doing crucified on a cross? Well, if we'd read on in Luke chapter 23, we would see that at the sixth hour, the, whole dark, the darkness came over the whole land. So in the middle of the day, this supernatural darkness. And after the end of that darkness, Jesus shouts out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. Now, the Bible is clear what this three hours of darkness is about people talk about the physical sufferings of christ and of course they were horrific but also those were experienced by the criminals either side the real horror here was what was being experienced in those three hours of darkness that criminal could enjoy heaven because jesus was experiencing his hell that's what's going on in the darkness Jesus being punished for all the sinful things that this criminal man had done. Paying his price so that he could be forgiven and accepted. And Jesus' death was not just for that criminal, but for all who put their trust in him. Even today, you can come to Jesus and seek his forgiveness and be forgiven today. See, Christianity is not about sort of being good and doing enough good to be accepted by God. It is about being saved by King Jesus. I think we heard it practically from every testimony this morning. None of the guys up here are getting baptized because they've reached some sort of epic Olympic level of, you know, moral correctness. And No, you know, you're going to hang out with these guys in the coming months. They're going to say things like, ooh, that was a bit off. They're going to do things that aren't that good. You know, they're still sinners. They're not getting baptized because they're saying they're, they're good enough. They're saying, actually, we realize we're not good. And we've turned to Jesus to forgive us for our sins. That's why they're getting baptized. They found in Jesus a Savior. What about you? What about you? If you come to realize that there's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God... Have you come to realise that you must solely just trust in what Jesus has done? Have you put your faith in him? Do you know you could respond to him like that today? Just just follow the thief. What did the thief do? Well, he, he admits his sin. He acknowledges Jesus as King. And he asks Jesus to personally have mercy on him. And do you know what? That's all it needs. And on this Easter Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can have every confidence that he can follow through on this promise of paradise. Because he rose from the dead. Did you watch that TV footage of the uh, miners in Chile? Uh, There was a, a brilliant thing that they just kept showing over and over on the news things and i wrote it down ready for easter sunday and there was this one woman she was a relative uh, one of her miners was still uh, one of her relatives was still down uh, locked under the ground and the the tube came up for the first time and the first man came out and they recorded saying i'm very emotional i'm very emotional this is so wonderful if one comes out they will all come out well, that's the significance of Resurrection Sunday. Jesus has come back from the dead, never to die again. And if one comes out, all who trust him, they too will come out. That, that's, that why, that's why there's some joy today. And all we need to do is to admit our sin. Acknowledge Jesus as our king and call him to have mercy. Have you done that? Today would be a great day to acknowledge Jesus as your King, to receive His forgiveness. Maybe you've got some questions. Well, there's a, there's a course that's going to be running uh, on Tuesday nights, Costa Coffee in Hanover. Great combination, good coffee, great material to learn about Jesus. Maybe you've got some questions you want to get answered. Well, why don't you consider doing that? But maybe this morning it's crystal clear for you. Maybe for the first time, just you think actually i do need to do something about this why don't you ask him to do it right now i'm going to put a prayer up that you could use there's something magic about it It basically says three things it says uh, sorry thank you and please let me read it through to you and see if you want to pray this yourself and then we'll read through it slowly so you can make it your prayer God, I know that I've done things that are wrong. I'm sorry that I've ignored you and rebelled against you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my punishment on the cross and for rising from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me by your Holy Spirit to live for you. Let's bow our heads. Maybe there's someone here that wants to pray this for the very first time. I invite you to do so in the quietness of your own heart and mind to God to make this your prayer. I'll, I'll read a line. I'll give you a chance to pray it yourself. God, I know that I've done things that are wrong. I'm sorry that I've ignored you and rebelled against you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my punishment on the cross and for rising from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me by your Holy Spirit to live for you.